really sure you want to be more like Jesus? Boy, when I say that, he takes me up on it. And he says, Sam, you really want to be like me? Then you've got to walk like me. And sometimes you've got to walk through things I walk through. How many thank God that when we're more like him, the whole world, not only our lives are changed, but everyone around us, transformation happens to people around us when we become more like him. Amen. Transformation for you, transformation for them. And, and, and this Narrow Path series is about transformation. And this is going to be a journey that we're going on. But how many have your Bibles with you? How many know the Word is what transforms you? All right. If you don't have a Bible, uh, I think there's one in the back of the pews. Are there one in the back of the pews there? No? So you can't even fake the devil out, can you? Amen. Look up on the screens. We got, we got it right up there for you. Come on. We weren't going to leave you sitting there. Get your app out, too, because you're going to need it today. We've been in the series, Narrow Path, and we're taking it from the words of Jesus Christ, not the words of the Christian Reform or the Southern Baptists or anybody else. These are Jesus Christ words, not something put out from an organized religious crowd of this is our doctrinal belief. These are Jesus Christ's words. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. You ready for this? He says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. We talked about it last week. Go listen to it. It's broad. Everything and anything's on it. No rules. It's broad. And its gate is wide for the many, the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. How many know we're going to stay on the narrow way. Now remember, when there's a few, you notice the few. You notice the few. It's kind of like having, everybody's got, you thought you bought that brand new car because you liked it just for me, and then just as soon as you, you never noticed that car before until you bought that car, and now you see other cars just like your car. <laughs> then they just tick you off. But you recognize a car that is rarely, rarely seen because it's different. It's not normal. You are the few, and you better be different. You want to talk about following Jesus? You I don't want you to be an oddball. We don't need any more oddballs. I mean, how many know that? How many know that when you talk about Jesus, the light? How many know light attracts bugs? I don't need any more weirdos, but you better be different. So look at your neighbor, look at the person on your right and say, you're different, okay? Oh, that was the, that was the most pathetic, you're different I've ever heard in my life. Those of you at home, I need you to get here in the house so you can help us out, okay? Look at your neighbor to the right and say, you're different. And then look at the person on the other side or behind you and say, we're just not normal. Tell them that, amen. We're just not normal. Amen. You can be seated. And some of the people behind you go, yeah, you got that right. You ain't normal. That's right. I want to take you, if you would, on this journey with me, the narrow path. I want to take you that this was the challenge of the early Jesus Christ followers in the New Testament. And it's the challenge has not changed for you and me today. I'm talking to those who want to follow Jesus on the narrow path. So if you would, take a journey with me over to 1 Peter chapter 1. And if you, don't, if you don't have your Bible with you, just get the app out. It's on there on the app. Just download it and you can take notes real quick. Because you're going to want to take notes. But I want to go to 1 Peter chapter 1. And before we get into 1 Peter chapter 1, you've got to understand a little bit of the context that was happening here. These Jewish followers, these Jesus followers, most of them were Gentiles. But they'd come to Jesus Christ and surrendered to the Lordship. They'd come out of a lot, a lot of paganism, a lot of living like the world, and they had come out of this. And because they followed Jesus, they were very persecuted. Jobs were taken from them. Uh, they weren't treated fairly like other people were treated within the culture. In fact, you need to understand that the reason they were able to be treated poorly was because their leader Nero at the time, he allowed them and gave permission to treat a Christian bad. 
It'd be like the President of the United States saying, everybody take it out on Christians, we hate them. Okay, that's what it was. And you, if you know the history of it, Nero was trying to consolidate his own power. And so he intentionally burnt his own city down. You remember Rome? He burnt Rome. He was the one that did it, destroyed 70% of the city. I mean, I mean, people were displaced like crazy, and he did it. But then what he turned around and did was he blamed the Jesus followers for the ones starting the fire. And therefore, even entrenched him more to order more persecution against the Jesus Christ follower. So when you think you have it bad and you think the world's got it out for you, you don't know what you're talking about because I'm telling you, these people had it bad. They had it really, really bad. So if they can take it, how many know we can make it? Amen? We can make it. And in the middle of all this, Nero, he not only does this, but you remember he orders the execution of the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter, the guy writing this who the Holy Spirit's using to write these letters to us. He orders the execution, Nero does, of the guy who's writing this. And remember this, in 2 Peter chapter two, he orders the execution. This has happened around 65, 68 AD, around in this, this time. He orders the execution of the Apostle Peter, the disciple Peter, and in the midst of this, the disciple Peter tells everybody, the Jesus followers, to honor the king. I've seen, I've seen some of y'all's posts now when you get highly hot and political. Whether it's your guy or not, this Jesus follower is going to be killed by the king and he tells them honor the king because God put that office in place. You may not like him. You know, God raises people up and he brings them down. We're going to let him handle this. <laughs> okay, when you do that kind of stuff, that's different. You're not a normal person. The king wants you dead and you say honor the king, Jesus followers. Doesn't mean you have to Buy-in doesn't mean you believe it. But he said, that office God created. Mm. Well, and here in the midst of us, he's calling these persecuted Christians that is being persecuted by that guy himself. And he says, you're different, you're normal, behave differently because that is what is attractional to an unbelieving, ungodly culture that you're living in. That is what attracts them because that's what attracted you. There was something different about them. And so he calls them to do like Jesus and get on this narrow path. And he calls them to be different, if you will, to be abnormal in the culture they're in. To be different. Not a weirdo. Not a nut job. Not a granola, a fruit nut and a flake. He's saying, you're going to be different in the culture. And if they don't notice it, you're probably not different and you're not probably not following the narrow path. You should notice it. You should notice it. So he calls them to be different. And so let's go where he does 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, and let's go travel where he tells these people they're already persecuted. So you would be thinking, you would be thinking when he's adding this, hey man, we're taking enough hits. Now you're gonna preach to us about living right? Come on, give us a break. Jesus said, if you're going to follow this, a few people can make this. Will you take it? Okay, how many really want to still be like Jesus? Mm, I lost half of you. The church is going to be real small next week. Amen. But look what he says. 1 Peter 3, 17, he says, so prepare yourself. Watch this. Look at this. So prepare your minds. Isn't that interesting? Your minds. He said, so prepare your minds and exercise. Exercise what, everybody? Self-control, you're different, you're abnormal. Everything right now is wheels off. I've offended, everybody's offended, everybody's hurt. And if you offend me, you can't ever say, everybody's hurt. Everybody's gotta blurt it out. Now we got social media, everybody's gotta blurt it out how bad and how wrong I am and, 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 I, and I'm gonna just speak my mind. He says, no, you're a believer. You've been led by the Spirit, have some self-control. Put all your hope why, why, why do we go, why do people go wheels off sometimes? It's because when they go wheels off over something, it's because that's the thing they had their hope in. 
It could be their marriage. It could be their job. It could be their retirement as they're watching the stock market spiral down and down and down and down. The more anxiety they have and the more, the more vocal they become, it's because the God that they really have is being challenged now. So your voice about the compassion, the love of Jesus, and the return of Jesus Christ ought to intensify because that's your God, not your IRA, not your retirement, not your husband, not your wife, not your child. How many of you know whatever gets challenged the most, wherever you manifest the most, indicates that's the thing you worshiped the most? He says, so put all your hope, put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. How many know he is going to be revealed to everybody? Look at this. Watch. Let's read on. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. <clears throat> but now you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear. Holy honor, reverent fear of him during your time here as a temporary resident. <laughs> We're all immigrants. Did you know that? You all realize this isn't our home. And notice what he says. He keeps saying this because he's trying to get these persecuted Christians living holy. Something's different. You're going to be, you're going to bring transformation to the culture. You're different and he says, here's what you're going to do. He says, you're going to keep your eyes on something else because Jesus is going to be revealed. He says it. Look through the book of, look through, through uh, P, uh, the disciple Peter's writings. Look at him. He's always talking about your eternal home. This is a temporary place. He says it over and over and over again. So if you're going to live on the narrow path, here's something that has to happen to you. You've got to remember you have a different destination than a person who has rejected Jesus Christ. You have a different, different destination. How many know Jesus will return and is going to return? How many of you know this is a temporary residence for you? Because this world is not your home, this is what the disciple Peter's saying. Since this isn't your home, since all, every, all of us, we're all leaving this place. You got it? All of us. He says, since this is your temporary home, he says, you've been called to be different because your attention is not on the values of this world. Your attention is on a place prepared for you for eternity. Keep your eyes on things above, not on things on earth. Watch this. So are you different? So if you're different and you're a Jesus follower and this is not your destination, then here's what happens to people who follow Jesus Christ and know that this earth is not this. They start looking toward heaven and guess what happens? You have different values than the average person on this planet Earth. You have different passions than an unbeliever. You're different parents than people who don't follow Jesus Christ. You treat your spouse differently than the person who doesn't follow Jesus Christ. You are different because you're bringing the values of where you're going into a temporal Earth where you're a temporary resident and you're moving on from this place. That's why I say you're different. So if your eyes are really on heaven, here's what happens to you when you follow Jesus. You, you, do you really want to be like Jesus? You say, oh, I want to be like Jesus. Well, let's hold on. When you're going to be like Jesus, you're not just different about your values, your passions as a parent, as a spouse. You're not just different about that. You're different with your use, your, the use of your resources. You use your money different than they do out there. You use your time different than they do out there without Jesus. 
You use your body different than what they will do, use in the world. You are a different employee than those people in the world. Those folks who don't follow Jesus, he says, they're going to show up 10 minutes late and leave 10 minutes early. They're going to take longer breaks than they should because they don't work as unto the Lord. He says, you, when you work, you're working as for Jesus Christ himself, even if that guy's cussing and he's your supervisor. Oh, you still want to be like Jesus? I just want to be like Jesus. Why can't you be more like Jesus? Here's our problem. Here's my problem and your problem. This is the reality. We are struggling between that which is temporal and this is all going away and that which is eternal that remains for eternity. And the problem for you and me is the obstacle for every Christian, every teenager, and even a senior citizen in this room, the obstacle is we always want to try to fit in to the temporal world we're in. And you are not called to fit in. I don't want you being a jerk. But we're not called. I got one applause way back there. I, where, where, where are you? I'm going to that side of the building. I'm going to come to the back row because I heard you back there. <clears throat> you are not called to fit in. You were called to stand out. You want to be like Jesus? God never told you to blend in with the crowd. Just like your car. Nobody notices that car you bought because they saw 10 of them just like going down the road and you thought you had that special car. You were not, you're, you're set apart. You're different. You are not normal if you're gonna follow Jesus Christ. You're gonna run your company different. You're gonna treat your employees different. You're gonna treat your neighbor different. You're gonna, you're, gonna, you're gonna treat people around you that have harmed you and spoke against you different. You are different. You are abnormal to this world's standards. Look at this. This is what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. He says, for you, for you. Everybody say, that's me. Oh, that's a weak, come on. That, say, that's me. He says, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. A what kind of nation? A what kind of nation? You're a holy nation. You're different. You're not the United Nations. You're not the United States. You are a holy nation as a Jesus follower. You have a different king. You have a different present. You are a holy nation. God's very own possession. When you get this, he says, when you get this as a result, you can show others it's not just about changing you and me. It's about others. You show others the goodness of God for you, for, for he has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Just, can you just say it? Let it just fall off your lips and just say, I'm not normal. Just say, I'm not normal. You know what normal is in our culture right now? Let me tell you what normal is. Normal is always being broke. That's, that's our culture right now. You know what normal is out there? Stay bitter, stay angry, and keep the nation split in half, and let's do it in churches while we're at it. That's the world's behavior. That's the world's behavior. Stay broke, stay bitter, stay divisive. That's normal out there. Stay anxious. Just sit there, keep looking at the stock market going, I, I better not give because I'm, I'm going to go broke. Stay, stay fearful. Just be afraid. When's the next war? When's it going to happen next? Oh, no, I'm going to die. Oh, no, what's going to happen to me? Oh, mama had it. Mama's mama had it. Mama's not had it. I'm going to have it. Stay, stay fearful. Stay sexually dysfunctional. Let them mess you up. Let them mess your mind up. Let them take, let them mess up all your, just go ahead and be that. That is normal. I'm sorry, but that is normal now. God did not call you to be normal. He says, you are called to be heavenly people. You live by a heavenly principle. Your ways are higher than the ways of this world. He said, you're called to a higher destiny and a higher destination. And this world is temporal. This world is temporal. The temporal world is the, listen, friends, you know why? When you get this, when you get this, you can navigate any type of pain, suffering, abuse, 
people coming against you, people are walking away from you, you can handle, and he's telling these people, you have been beat up, you have been spit up by the president, by the king, by the government, by everybody, and they're abusing you. He said, but you keep your eyes on your destination. You are different. You are headed somewhere. And if you get your eyes off this, you'll let them eat you alive. And when you understand that, what you're going through right now that is painful is the only hell you will ever know. That's it. Whatever you're going through, this is your hell. That's it. But for those who say, I get my eyes on right now, I got to fit in, I got to fit in, I got to be accepted by everybody else, he says, it gets worse for you. And many are going that way. Friends, he told me, he told you, listen, stop. He says, stop. He said, keep your eyes. We don't talk enough about heaven. We don't talk enough about the return of Jesus Christ. He says, you got to keep your eyes on it. There's something better, and it's eternal. This stuff is temporary residency. He says, you're only here for a moment. It's going to be gone in a flash. And he said, God is preparing a place for you. Come on, friends. How many thank God? He is preparing a place for you, your pastor. Come on. I, that's why I get excited. But every time I think about heaven, I think about, I get excited. I get excited because I know I'm going to a place where there's no more tombs and there's no more troubles there's no more grief there's no more graves come on how many thank God there's no more pain there's no more problems are you thankful are you looking forward to that place you're going to another destination are you hearing your pastor this morning are you hearing the Holy Spirit this morning you're going to a place where there's no obituaries there's no ambulances there's no hospital because there's not sickness there there are no orphans there because he's going to be the father of us all are you listening we're going to a place where all the citizens are saints we're talking about the book of life as the city directory. And if my name is there, I'm a resident of that place. Are you understanding where you're going? You're going to a city whose maker is God. And the light of that city is Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Can you get excited about where you are going? We're going there. And when you get your eyes on the different destination, you don't let this world and the garbage you got to face tear you apart. Because it will tear you apart. In the middle of the pain, it'll tear you apart. So, everybody say, I'm different. Sam abnormal. <laughs> don't tell your boss that, though, because it's. it's a, different. I'm different. People always want to do something to get everybody's attention because they were neglected as a child and didn't get enough, so they do the goofiest, wildest things to get attention. You want to get their attention? Act like this world isn't your home. Because what happens is when you get a different destination, something starts changing in you, and that's what's happening to these people. You get a different aspiration. You start watching your desires and your goals truly change. And then when you want to have a big company and you want position, it's not because your ego needs stroked or you have a low self-esteem or because you need more stuff because you didn't have enough stuff because you're a depression era child. He said, you want more things from God because you know how to distribute it because your aspirations are different when you get that stuff. You have a different desire, a different aspiration, a different goal, a different aim. It's different. It's different. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14. Let's look at this. He said, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back. Oh, can we say that? Can we say that loud? Don't slip back. We're going to go back to that in just a minute. Don't slip back to your old ways of living. Watch this. To satisfy your own desires. I want you to look good. I do. I, want you, I like you were dressing in your style. But that attraction ought to be for a godly purpose at the end of the day. Every bit of it. How do I take what God's given me and point it to him? Watch this. He said, your own desires. You didn't know any better then. He said, you were doing that stuff because honestly I was doing that stuff because the spirit of stupid was on me back then. But now, 
You must live holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you, he chose you. He picked Sam Reifkel, an unholy thing. And when Sam chose to follow Jesus Christ, he made him a holy guy, not because of what I do, but because of who he is. He says, now desire to pursue that. Change your desires. If your destination is different, your aspirations will be different. The world's aspirations. So, so hold on. He says, you used to live that way. Do you know what the world's aspiration is? When I sit with people, whenever I have to counsel somebody, we will somehow get around to this if there's some kind of, some kind of pain. I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. I want to come home and be happy. I want to go to my work and be happy. I just want to be. The aspiration of the world I have discovered is we just want to be happy. Well, there's a problem with that. Happiness is based on your happenings. The happenings aren't good, therefore it controls my happiness. And happiness is based on happenings, and happenings don't always make you happy once they've worn out. And even in the church, now we go, that's right, that's that world out there, pastor, you go after those fornicators, them idolaters and harmongers, you go after them, pastor. You know what my biggest concern is? I, listen, I'm just going to tell you, I'm a blessing kind of preacher. I love joy. I love leadership principles. I, I love, I'm, a, I'm a faith guy. I love preaching faith. I love believe in prosperity. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit because I believe in the Bible. How many of you believe in all that? Amen. I believe in it. I preach it. I practice it. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. But my concern is in the body of Christ is we lean to the theology of happiness. Where the reason why God gives all those things is because God's ultimate purpose is to make sure I'm happy. Because I really do want the wave runner. We really should upgrade from a pop-up to a fifth wheel. Because God really wants us happy. Here's the problem with everything is to serve me that makes sure that I'm happy in the marriage, happy in this, happy in where I am in life, happy with my job. Here's the problem with the theology of happiness. The problem with the theology of happiness is that it empowers personal justification to do something that is wrong or something that is unwise because we always default to, doesn't God want me happy? And so we make poor decisions as believers based on, I'm just tired of not being happy. Happy on the job, happy with my parents, happy with my church, happy with this, happy with my car. And I've always got to change everything because isn't it ultimately desire that I am happy? And you end up making, it, you personally, it empowers you to personally justify a wrong decision. And I've watched people who carry the name of Jesus following Christian, and I'm not, I'm not sitting there to judge them where they are in the relationship with Jesus Christ, but I've watched them make decisions. Now, some decisions have to be made, and you're just going, you know, that, that is a wise decision. But I'm telling you, a lot of them are defaulting to decisions simply because they're not happy. I'm not happy in my marriage because my spouse isn't giving me what I want, so I'm simply leaving because this person just seems to understand my needs and my desires. So doesn't God want me happy? And I've gone 16 years like this. Doesn't God want me happy? I'm just not happy here. We do it with things. I want this thing. I want this thing. I want this thing. You know, God really wants me happy. I can't afford this thing. And what do we do? We see our, all other believers get that thing. And then we got to have that thing. And then we overextend ourselves. We go into debt. And then we say, church, some, somebody pray that God will supply all my needs. When God said, I just want you to delay this. I want to teach you a discipline of delay. Or you're dating. We're dating. Well, we both love Jesus. We speak in tongues. Should I walk this way, y'all? 
me some old married people I can talk to on this one here, just for a minute. Maybe you'd be safer over there. Well, we're dating. We love Jesus. We go to church together. Oh, when we worship, oh, it's just it's so powerful. We lift our hands, and one time I think our hands touched and we felt something. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I get it. I get it. You got the warm fuzzy. And we know we should wait. We know we shouldn't have sexual intercourse. We know we shouldn't be compromising things in our physical realm. We shouldn't be compromising those right now. But you know what? We both have needs and, you know, we're engaged in our minds. Oh, are you, no, you think I'm kidding? In our hearts, we're married. We're really committed that one day we will get married. I'm telling you. And so we use, we use my happiness for this desire, he said. You used to live like that is what he told him. And why am I always coming to you guys all the time on this sex stuff? I'm always over here by you guys. Why? Go to, you're going, go to somebody else, Pastor. But, so if you always want the sex talks, you got to move out of those places and get down here because this is where you get the sex talk down here. Now I'm telling you, Listen, you, you want to follow God's word because I'm telling you what, God's lovemaking, God's instruction on lovemaking is powerful. And the enemy always wants to taint something that is pure and good. I'm telling you. Yeah, but you know, we were in the car and we made vows. Sure, you made vows to each other because you were both, your loins were on fire, dude. Of course you're making <laughs> vows. Look at this of these guys. Lloyds are on fire. I love this bunch. Of course you're going to say, of course you're going to make those nutty things like that. See, when you believe, listen, when we truly believe, and this is for anything, when we believe that God's highest priority for us is happy, then when discomfort comes in, or risk comes in, or discipline comes in, or, or if suffering comes into your life that you did not expect, then you'll say it's not God's will because I'm, if he's really God, shouldn't I be happy? If he's really God, then just make me happy all the time. If you want to be happy all the time, just keep eating ice cream. You'll die quicker, but keep eating ice cream all the time. That's the only thing you have on the menu. Are you hearing what I'm saying, though? And then you start getting bitter toward God, and you start questioning his goodness because your whole thought was, I was supposed to be happy. This is how it's supposed to work out for me. So delay is never there. Discipline is there, never there. Risk is never there. Suffering is never there. Faith is never there. Because you can't believe that God wouldn't want you happy. And what ended up happening is God simply exists to serve Sam and every desire Sam has. That's why he exists. And then guess what happens? When I get those things, here's what I begin to do. I begin to worship those things and they become false gods. The comfort, the pleasure, the money, the sex, it now becomes the God to me, and they might be things God wanted to give me, but now they become the God, and they worship me, and I'll tell you how I know when those things are God, is when they're extracted from my life, I literally, you just start falling apart because it was the God. God's highest aim for Sam Reifkogel is not Sam Reifkogel's happiness, but Sam Reifkogel's holiness. And I know why you're applauding, because you're saying, that's what it is for me, Pastor. God's highest goal is not to make me happy, nor is it your goal to try to make everybody else around you happy. If God can't do it, you're not going to pull it off. No, I'm serious. I stopped trying to get people's approval. I quit. I have really stopped. I'm not going to be a jerk, but I've stopped. 
It'll destroy you. Just do what's right in this sight and let the chips fall where they may. Don't be a jerk. Just, God, what do you want me to do? Show me your word and let the chips fall where they may. His highest goal is not my happiness. His highest goal is follow me. That's what he's saying. Now that I've made you holy in my sight because of my blood, just follow, pursue me. That's what he's saying. Follow me, follow me, just follow me. Do what I say. Just be holy. That word holy is hagios, hagios, which literally means to be pure, to be set apart, set yourself apart. It literally means to be different. You're not normal. You're different in this world. You're going to be set apart from everybody else because you want to simply please the Father. You set yourself apart. Everybody say set apart. Now fill this in and you're filling the blanks in your app. You're set apart by setting your heart. I want to be set apart. How many want to be set apart and holy? Then you got to be, to be set apart, you've got to be setting your heart. S-E-T-T-I-N-G. You've got to be setting your heart. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It says, since then, he says, you have been raised with Christ. Look at these three words. Set your hearts. Those of you at home, join us here in the auditorium, and let's say those three words. Ready? Come on. Set your hearts. And then look what happens again. The destination. On what? On things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Then what's this? Look at this one. Here's this word again. Set your minds. Say that with me. Set your minds on things above, not on, uh-oh. So next week, you're going to hear us, we're going to break this down even more. How do I do this? How do I bring transformation to my life? Pastor, I want to change some things. I'm going through the journey. How do I get on that journey? You're going to hear more about that next week. It's going to be powerful teaching. But look at this. Listen close to this. You set your heart not on earthlings. You set your mind. You set your hearts. Now watch this. The word set there literally means to be mentally disposed toward a certain direction. To be mentally disposed toward a certain direction, you've got to set things. You've got to set things. I remember being raised as a kid, my dad, oh my goodness, my mom and dad, they wanted us, my mom made her own suits until she made our suits for Easter. We had to wear them all year. She made these suits. I remember one time she made these one suit that was light blue with a turtleneck. We looked like the Beatles, you know, the Beatles, the Beatles. We looked, and my dad would, every Saturday, he would start polishing the shoes of all the boys, make sure all the shoes are polished, all our clothes were set out. Do you know I still have this practice today? Ever since that time, my father set things out because we are going to the house of God. We're going to church. I didn't get to sleep in. A 13-year-old doesn't tell mom and dad whether or not we're going to church. <clears throat> Online campus, please tell me that didn't happen this morning. They're sick, I understand, I get it. I'm sweepy. Well, quit staying up till three o'clock in the morning playing video games and you'll make it to church. Okay, I'm sorry. So I set my clothes out last night. I pressed my clothes, I set my clothes out, made sure my, my, my sneakers were looking fly. I set everything out. So you know why I did that? Because I don't want to wake up in the morning going, what am I going to wear? What am I going to wear? What am I going to wear? I set it out so I'm not wasting time the next day. How many use Outlook? How many use Outlook? Okay. All the people that don't use the app didn't raise their hands. How many <laughs> use Outlook? What do I put Outlook up there? It's because I want to set the agenda. I'm looking already ahead for next week. I got to know what's going to happen Monday. I know what's going to happen Tuesday. I know what's going to happen Wednesday. Because if I don't, then other things will just make their way in. And then I can't get things accomplished. Can I tell you what happens when you set things out? You don't wander and you don't waste time. So what needs to happen, he says, start setting your things and start finding out what heavenly kingdom principles are like and start setting those before you. You see, people want to change their diets at home, but if you want to change your diet at home, what do you got to do? You got to go through the pantry and you got to take out the bud stuff and you got to be setting before you the stuff you want to start eating. Because if you leave those pork rinds right there beside that kale, we know the pork rinds are going to win every day. 
so, but if you want to change something, you got to set it. So here's what he's saying. He says, if you want to start living that life, you've got to start having a disparate aspiration and start setting things out there. Set the word out there. Set the things of God out in front of you. Make sure that you're in the house of God. Bring your kids and set them on Wednesday nights. You get in a small group and start growing. When we get done with Thrive, you start growing in June and July. And you put your kids inside of the youth ministries and the children's ministry where they're having fun and they're growing in Jesus Christ and they're building relationships. You start setting and said, this is what we're going to do. If you don't set it, you'll wonder and say, well, I think I'll have this, and I think I'll have this, and some of the decisions you're making are fed by your own personal justification, and so you say, I gotta be happy. (sighs) Parents, can I tell you? You gotta start setting some things because they don't know what to set. And now we're living in a culture where let them decide. Let them choose. You've got to instill and set before them while you have that season of influencing them. Set it before them. You say, well, how do I instill values, pastor, as a parent? You follow Jesus. And have the same courage like Jesus to be different when your kid says, well, every other kid gets to do it. I cannot, you cannot expect to raise your children who are different from the world if you're not different from the world. You can't. I'm just sorry. Just because you set the example is not a guarantee that they will. But I tell you, if I don't set the example, it'll be a guarantee they won't. I can't control my kids once they get, they get the age of accountability and they start getting to a place where they're starting saying, hey, you got to make your own decisions. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to set the best value that I can in front of them. So let them see the value. Let them see you pray, Dad, with your wife. Mom, let them see you praying over Dad before he goes out to the work. Let them see that. Let them see that. You don't have to sit there and preach at them. Just let them see it in your life. Let them see you reading the Word. Let them see you trying to memorize the Scripture. When you come to the worship center, Dad, I know you're macho, man. You're all tatted up. Man, let them see those tattoos raised up in the sky, worshiping God, blessing Jesus. Come on, Grandma. Let her see you praying. Come on, let them see those tatted arms go up there worshiping God. Let them see it. Come on, when the time of giving, let them see you on that app sitting there giving to God. Let them see that. They're not going to do it if you're not going to do it. you got to set before them. This is a path. When it comes down to Netflix, you don't be sitting watching TVMA because you want to say, and then, listen, do you know there's a history on there so they can see where you've been? Don't sit there and all of a sudden take your kids and bring gossip and bring them and divide them against people in the church and leaders in the church. Don't set before them the way Jesus said, you're different. You are different people, young people, and don't you dare be afraid to be different. You be different. You don't have to sit there and post every single thing about your body on Instagram. You don't need to make the most provocative picture yet. Just be different. Let him ask you, man, why? Where, where, where are you going? I, I, I got I to go to bed early Saturday. I got to be in the house of God, man. My friends are going to be there. We're going to worship Jesus. You ought to come with me and join me. Be different. Be different. We have not just a different destination, but a different aspiration. Our desires change to the heavenly things on the narrow way. Okay, I'm coming in for a landing. I know you're all saying, thank you, Jesus, because this is a tough one. You said you wanted to be like Jesus. And what happens out of it is a different transformation. Next week, I'm going to talk more about that. But let me just give you 1 Peter 14. He says, so you must live as God's obedient children. Can you read out loud the underlying part up here? Can you read read out loud? Come on, everybody, in the balcony. Let's read together. Those of you at home, let's read together. Let's say it. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better. So what is he saying here? It's saying that you can slip back into the old ways of life as a Jesus follower. You can slip into temptation. But you know what I've ever noticed? You never slip into righteousness. You don't slip into righteousness. I didn't, I didn't, listen, listen, let me tell you, I I wasn't out smoking pot last night and sleeping around, and and last night I fell into holiness and I became your pastor today. (laughs) You don't fall into holiness, you fall into sin, 
and you can slip into the sins of this world just like that because he's said it's subtle, it's sly. Look, 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 at, look, look, look at Eve. Look what happened to Eve. Look what happened. He, listen, you're not gonna, Satan's not going to say, he's not going to take you. And he says, I want you to be a Satanist. Be a Satanist. Go steal a chicken from the neighbor. Draw a pentagram on the bathroom floor, light candles at you time and slash the chicken's throat and throw it around and then your mother will beat the snot out of you for doing such a foolish thing. <laughs> He's not going to tell you to be a Satanist, everybody. And all of a sudden, you're going to sit here as a believer, and all of a sudden, he's going to possess you, and all of a sudden, you're going to, ah, it ain't coming out. You know, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> he's subtle. He's sneaky. He's sly. And on the narrow path as Jesus follows, and you can speak in tongues, there are rocks that you got to watch out for. There are things that have washed out and you slip and twist and ankle. He said, you got to watch this road and be careful because he is subtle, sly. You will not all of a sudden go into some wheels off dysfunctional sexual life. He said, he is so sly. He is so cunning. And here's what he usually does. Just go back to the first sin when he had Eve. When he got to Eve, there they were with everything in the presence of God, naked and not ashamed, walking around nude before God, nude before each other. And they had no embarrassment until sin came in. They were afraid of their bodies. But look what happened. Satan came up to Eve and said, did God really say you must not eat that fruit? Did he really say? And this is the subtlety that he has. He's sly, he's cunning, and he's always going to say to you and your pastor, did God really say you can't watch that TV MA on Netflix? Did he really say you can't listen to that music? Did he really say that you shouldn't be saying that? Did he really say you should, gossip is really? Did he really say he's always taking that little subtle place? And then if that's not the one he wants to use for believers, oh, get this one. Well, I'm not that bad, pastor. I'm a lot better than some of those people. I just saw somebody in the park and they were torching up a joint, going out of the parking lot, and at least I'm not like them. Let me tell you, so I'm okay. Or pastor, did you see the latest documentary on the latest pastor? Did you see the documentary? Did you see how dysfunctional and messed up and how manipulative all that stuff is? Did you see that last documentary? At least I'm not as bad as that pastor. Well, here's the deal about that pastor. That pastor did not die for your sins. That pastor did not go to the cross for you. That person, that other Christian, that other Christian that you're so upset at did not come and live a sinless life on this earth and was willing to be crucified. There's only one who did that, and that's the one we're going to follow even when there are bad examples that happen in the body of Christ and sometimes in the church family and in your own family. Because I've stopped making people the standard. I quit making, I stopped making pastors my standard. Thank God for the example. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And why did he say that? He said, follow the things that look like Jesus because there's some stuff in the Apostle Paul that you may not want to take up. That's why he's saying that. He said, Jesus is the standard. People are not the standard. Well, that preacher did this and you did this. I'm not your standard. You're different. You are different different. I'm different. Why does this holy even matter? Look what he said in verse 18. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. That means we had examples that we thought these were the things you really shoot for. Oh, it's not bad to have a job. It's not bad to aspire to have things and to have things. It's, no, 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 no. But some of it just flat became worshipped. It was worshipped. He said, and it was not paid with mere gold and silver, which lose, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose Jesus as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days... He has been revealed for your sake. He's saying, Jesus made you holy. That's why it matters. And because he loved Sam Rifle, because Sam Rifle was headed to hell, and he said, Sam, I make you holy, not because of your performance, buddy, but because of what I did. And now that you see the power of my love and why I did it and why this is temporal and it's all going away and there's a place prepared for you, Sam, stay on the narrow path path.
follow it. I want to follow him because of who he is and what he did. I want to live holy. I want to live set apart. I want to be different by following him. And we're not doing it to get behavior modification. Can I tell you, Jesus, your behavior can change, but we've made in the church behavior modification is the goal to holiness. We need behavior modification. Behavior modification is not the goal. To be like Jesus is the goal. To desire Jesus is the goal. Behavior modification is not it. It happens, but that's not the goal. Oh, my goodness. I was raised in a time, girls, you couldn't wear makeup because it wasn't holy. Your spirit of Jezebel's on you. You got red right there. Oh, I'm serious. Some of you never been raised in that. I remember preaching in a church one time. This is no lie. I got done preaching, and I hear an elderly man in the lobby was about five by five square, a little bit of church, and he's yelling. He was speaking in tongues a minute ago in the service and yelling. Pastor comes up, I said, what's he yelling for? He said, it was you. Me? I thought my message was great. I said, what did I say wrong? He said, it's your hair. My hair? My hair was that much over my ears. And he said this, how could you let that desecrate that sacred desk? So I just went and grew my hair another inch longer is what I did. And I went back to that church again. That pastor was, that pastor really pastored that guy through it. But he was raised with behavior modification, behavior modification, behavior modification. We're not into behavior modification. We're into spiritual transformation that gets to your heart and your head because that's where it all starts is my relationship with Jesus. And on the narrow path, you can't take all the baggage with you. It gets a little narrow and you start dropping things off and you start finding a real joy and you find the real strength. You find the real peace and his name is Jesus Christ. So see people, somebody, somebody in this room, you say, well, I'm just not holy enough to let Jesus follow me. Let me just say this. Living holy isn't the path to knowing Jesus Christ. I know some of you got a problem with that right now, but I'm telling you, living holy isn't the path to knowing Jesus Christ. Knowing Christ is the path to learn how to live holy. Because he'll take you just like you are. But he says, I know I can't leave you that way because you're different. You're my child. And I died for you. And I love you. And I want you to grab that. Your destination is different and I'm changing your desires. Your aspirations are changing. And watch me change you with spiritual transformation. And watch me start doing things in your life you never believed could ever happen because of the power of God's word and the power of his blood and the power of his spirit. How many thank God we're on the narrow path and we're headed, we're heading home to our eternal residence. Amen.